You're listening to a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Welcome to A View from the Stands, a podcast series in which we discuss the new normal in the world of sports. I'm Aditya Ayer and with me is the national sports editor of HD, Rudranil Sengupta. Welcome to a new episode of A View from the Stands, where we discuss all things Naomi Osaka, which of course has little to do with her prowess as a player this week, but rather about her stand on the media leading up to the French Open and her subsequent pullout. Which is another way of saying that Osaka is but an umbrella term today to discuss freedom of the press in sport, how social media has changed the game as far as sportspersons taking full charge of their voices are concerned, and most importantly, the need of the art topic of mental health uh, in, in this community of athletes. So let's get on with it by getting my co-host Rudra in and by asking him where he stands on this Osaka debate, uh, because there's one raging and if he believes there's any grey area to it at all. Uh, thanks, Aditya. I think I, I'm seeing this all in grey, in fact, um, right now. Oh, yeah? Um, well, when... Yeah, I am actually. And the thing is that the first, uh, when when Osaka came out with her first statement in which she said that, um, you know, I don't want to attend press conferences because I don't want people to doubt me. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a very, you know, um, kind of immature statement to make a sort of, hmm. uh, a thing that athletes often say about, you know, like, oh, I need to protect myself and stuff like that. But you are out there, you're performing your whole Life is based on winning and losing. So, you know, if somebody asks you questions about why you lost a match, um, that's just a part of the job. Um, so I was not I was not impressed by that at all. Yeah. But yeah. um, but then later on when she clarified that okay, look, I, I did this because not that and you know, the second statement that she came out with was so very different from the first, yeah. where she actually showed her vulnerability, where she spoke about uh, having depression since 2018. And um, how how she has social anxiety, um, how difficult she finds being um, in press conferences, and 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 then it becomes not about the questions being asked of her. It's not about how hard or easy they are. It's just about um, you know your relationship with how you interact with people. Yeah. And and it seems like Osaka has difficulties with that, and she's saying that. Um, and and she suffers from depression, and and I think that it can be a very difficult situation to be in for a person who has these things i could just imagine how difficult it would be for a person um who suffers from social anxiety to sit in front of a room full of strangers um and have to talk about things um and you know and it, what what makes it difficult is of course that when you look at osaka and you see her speak and you hear her speak and and all the press conferences she's done before she comes across as such an articulate funny charming um, a person, yeah. so so you know it becomes even more difficult to see what is actually going on inside her head, um, and which is what she's what she revealed in the second statement when she said that. And 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 as you know that it can become really really hard. The exterior is one thing, the interior is another thing yeah. altogether. And for somebody like that, now I I'm I'm thinking that okay maybe um, because she privately wrote to the French Open organizers that maybe it was mishandled by the organizers themselves uh, because they their whole thing was to just take punitive action and to threaten and and things like that instead uh, hmm. maybe they should have um, made some space for dialogue here 
Yeah. Okay. So fine. Uh, some fabulous points raised there. Uh, I I have a feeling the 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 FFT, the French tennis organization that basically hosts the French Open, you know, were basically caught unawares. It was a very knee jerk reaction in them, kind of threatening her a little bit. Um, but I do see where they're coming from. Unlike you, I don't see a grey area here. I do think that Osaka is in the wrong, and let me explain why. Uh, you know. Again, like I said, you raised all these fabulous points on, um, you know, mental health. Like I said in the introduction, it's the need of the hour. It needs to be discussed. Uh, I think Osaka was trying to put the right points across. But uh, as she herself uh, admitted later on, she went about it the wrong way. That's not my only grouse uh, about it. Um, you know, so listen, to say that you know, she has uh, social anxiety and uh, can't really, you know, face the press. You can't announce it to the organizers on the morning of your match or the day before the way she did it on social media, right? So, I mean, there's, there's got to be some tact to this. Um, it, this did not require a press conference her, uh, for her to say that she can't hold further press conferences. She could have just mailed them in private maybe a couple of weeks earlier, knowing that the French is coming about, knowing that this is the tournament that she struggles most in and like, you know, it directly impacts um, what's going on between her years. And she could have, she could have kind of like, you know, reached like some kind of like, you know, bargain point, right? Like, you know, like, you know, met them halfway or whatever, but she didn't even give them that chance. Now, th th my main grouse is this, right? Like, she basically can't say that, you know, I'll go about doing everything else the way I'll, I usually do uh, at a Grand Slam, which is play tennis, like blah, blah, blah. But the only thing that I won't do is talk to the media. Now, she, she's ought to know better than that, right? As a top player, they know that they're ambassadors in selling the game, right? And it's, it's they play such a key role in bringing in more fans, more sponsors. The media is the in-between for all of this, right? I'm not even just talking about media's role as the conscience keeper, and we will come to that. I'm just saying in just promoting the, 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 the very sport in which she's excelling in, right? Like, the media is like, just of key importance. Now, like Djokovic has said as much, right? Now, even someone like Serena Williams, and I'm going to wrap this point up quickly and bring you back in. Uh, so just bear with me till I finish with this. Serena Williams often looks like she'd be anywhere else in the world, but at the press conference after the her match ends, right? But even she sits there and just bears with it. Now, I'm not saying because she can do it, Osaka should do it too. I'm saying like all these people are struggling with their mental health and with like the way questions are posed to them all the time. Serena wears it on her sleeve. But you know what? She has a very simple way out when she doesn't like a question like the one that, you know, um, uh, Osaka got in Wimbledon, which kind of like, you know, just started this whole cascading effect which is Serena just says no comment or she just goes like, what a stupid question and turns away. You just have to bear it for five minutes and get out of there and you've done your job, right? Like that's about it. I, I don't know where you stand here. Sorry, a few points that I've raised. Back to you, Rudra. I, I fundamentally, fundamentally, I agree with everything that you're saying. Right. 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 I think it is absolute. It's an absolute necessity. It's a and bit it's a left field, so I was a bit worried, you know. <laughs> yeah. 
it's a part of the job you need to if you are a public performer which is what uh, elite athletes are um you are uh, you're going out there you're putting on a public performance you're getting paid for it um you need to be accountable and and the and the way you're accountable is to be uh, you know is through the press um yeah. is by talking to two journalists um and and fundamentally i agree with you and i agree with the way say what you said about how serena handles it or or and, and everybody should be doing it and you know jokovic for example has had a really rough couple of years in terms of uh, mostly off court stuff Such and, a good um, point. and yeah and and he's grilled all the time and he takes that grilling and he, and he answers and and most of the time unlike serena he actually engages in this way i i find tennis uh, is one of the most um, in terms of just the press interaction with between players and journalists is one of the most interesting sports out there because a lot of the players really take you know commit themselves to engaging with the with journalists they don't just you see it as a necessity that they have to get through the way serena does uh, most of the time where she can just you know just she goes in she answers monosyllabic she leaves the press conference halfway um you know things like that but uh, for example federer or or nadal or uh, maria sharapova um jokovic these guys no matter how tough the question um or sometimes just blatantly stupid or embarrassing or whatever it is um they try and engage to try and answer in detail and often a very interesting insights come from this uh, which is not the case generally with with press conferences so in tennis the press conferences is something that I, that i actually enjoy yeah. um so yes it is fundamental and it is a necessity and it it has to be done but at the same time when you are seriously vulnerable to something when you have a particular issue which is only specific to you and mental health issues are always very specific to the person Absolutely. right it's, it's not Absolutely. not comparable you cannot just say she is doing this you can do that and things like that it's it's very specific and you have your own specific demons and um so like i said that you know when the first statement that osaka made i i thought that she was just being a brat but the, the the second time when she came out and she elaborated on it and she talked about depression and she talked about social anxiety i i really think that this is a person who who has a genuine difficulty and if a person has a very genuine difficulty it's not about being bratty or not wanting to take the tough question or not having the time for the media or things like that or even like she said in her first statement just because she doesn't want to doubt herself yeah um you know and that's not the platform to do it so if it's not these things and it's a genuine difficulty um then there has to be some way in which um in which a player can be excused or some way can be worked out in which it's not exactly the same way that everybody else faces the press i know that it opens up a can of worms you know other people will claim other things and then yeah. what happens to the institution sure um uh, but still uh, this it's something to think about and something to debate um lots of interesting points raised there rudra uh i have two things to say uh one is you know on your point of uh, every every uh, you know mental health issue and every demon being tailor made to the person and you know uh, bespoke in many ways um what osaka essentially tried to do was to try, she tried to take the focus away from herself by not interacting with the media and ended up making herself the center of attention inadvertently of course uh, lots of interesting things came out of it uh, you know with the media obviously asking every single player who walked onto uh, the press conference stage about osaka and i thought yeah. daniel medvedev 
who by the way doesn't have the greatest interactions with the press like you know a lot of these Correct. young kids another person had yeah. something absolutely fabulous to say you know and it wasn't yeah. uh, expected from him at all i don't know if you know this he basically said that you know what strangely enough after i have a grueling press session i'm paraphrasing here after i have a grueling mm. uh, press session i feel a whole lot better about myself because you know a lot of that crap a lot of that junk comes out of my system by fighting with you guys <laughs> so i feel a whole lot better about myself but like you said like you yeah. said and this is very very important right just because he can deal with the press and that's not really his tailor made mental issue doesn't yeah. mean that it's the same for saka right but yeah. this is really my bigger point the one that i want to make is uh, fundamentally to do with tennis and their routines at least at grand slams now you know how this works right rudra say rafa finishes a match now i can give you i can give you a real example right in 2015 mm. at the us yeah. open i was covering a match uh, where rafa had a two set lead against fabio fanini uh, at the uh, arthur ashe stadium had a break up in the third and ended up losing the match it went on till about 130 right. at night now at right. 130 at night this guy first has to speak to the host broadcasters then he come, mm. i'm going to i'm going to like you know uh, cut to the chase basically after finishing uh his speech with the host broadcasters mm. that we get mm. to see on tv he comes into the press room speaks to the world media now if it's right. nadal if it's a non english speaker then he has to speak to after speaking to the world media he sits back while most of the english journalists leave right and mm. then he speaks mm. to the spanish media then he talks to spanish radio then he talks to spanish tv then he goes back into the dressing room does his ice baths bathes whatever and then gets into a cab and goes home now if his match ended at 1:30 he's home really at 5 o'clock really in the really morning <laughs> right this <laughs> is an everyday thing with yeah, osaka by avoiding just the press right she is shaved mm. two and a half hours away from her itinerary yeah the moment she finishes talking to the broadcast press as she did and the format is such that they never ask you any questions that give you quotes yes. basically right so once yeah. that press right. which she did she did after her first round win against teague uh, she spoke mm. to marion bartoli i think and then walked away she would have been home in the next one and a half hours in her hotel room right. now right it's so skewed right like basically shwantek who is uh, going to meet her in would have met her in the final has spent mm. three in, two and a half hours more than her after every single round doing stuff that she doesn't want to do right so that brings up the question of of, of an unfair physical advantage absolutely wow. boss i never never thought of never thought of it that way never thought of it that way yeah. it's very yeah. complicated and now it? just imagine if you finished your match like till 1 at 1:30 at night right like mm. um and if rafa say had won that match and he refused to do press mm. he's a whole mm. lot fresher than that other guy who finishes at 1:30 who he you know uh, hypothetically could meet in the next round right yeah so how do organizers yeah. explain this to osaka's rivals right right of course and then they they would be within their rights to uh, raise this question absolutely um, absolutely yeah i mean i i have no answer for that but um but what what i would like to say is that of course in in a uh, you know and the other thing that i think that we take for granted 
Yeah. Um, it's because the athletes are public figures, like as I mentioned before, and they they make their money from public performances. You know, we we see them live their life under the lights, right? It's it's all out in the open, kind of a thing. But mm. but being an athlete doesn't really mean, especially in a in a sport like tennis, which is a solitary sport, doesn't really mean just because you're under the lights that you have to be comfortable with that. or that um that you are a very social person or that you get along easily or that you have the personality you have a you know, you know you're not shy which is something that by the way osaka has said many times you know when people have asked her what is a defining characteristic she has she uses the word shy um which means that she is very withdrawn so what i'm trying to say is that there is a there's a there is very it's very easily you um a mistake can be made where because you see somebody under the spotlight all the time yeah. that you do not then that you don't think that that person can be introverted but in a solitary pursuit like uh, you know elite level tennis in, in being introverted works very well you can just spend hours because you know your life is just spending hours and hours and hours by yourself and training with one trainer one coach and that's it and you you just hit balls like for 6 hours a day 7 hours a day you do your workout you eat your food you go to sleep um, you know it's an obsessive thing which does not really need you to interact with people or be good socially or any of those demands you know and in fact you start this life when you are very very young in Never many ways i think yeah it's it's as it, it's it, as lonely an exercise as boxing right i mean and, and you is, know a it, lot it, about boxing lonely. so uh, yeah, viable comparison absolutely absolutely and i think most elite elite sports uh, with uh, individual sports are very solitary pursuits um and because it starts so young in your life um i think a lot of people are very ill equipped actually to to interact with people around them and you know it, it, these things just keep adding layers and layers and you can just grow and it can grow into like for example it can become a phobia yeah. you know you don't want to see anybody really want to see anybody um, around you you know you want to be out there on your stage which and then you can't see anybody anyway because you're blinded by the lights and you're playing um and you're focused on your game and once that's over it's done you you're back and and i think it can be a real struggle in this and, and in some ways i wonder at people like um, rafa hmm. who is really you know in, he must be the most well ad- along with federer the most well adjusted people in this planet <laughs> absolutely like look at them boss i mean they are they are at the at the absolute top of their game yeah um you know they spend their whole life racing uh, you know chasing wins and losses you know and and that can be a very kind of uh, a uh, mentally disturbing kind of way to live you know you're always competing and you're always like your your life is measured out in wins and losses and things like that um but look at them they are smiling they they never seem to have any problem with anybody they don't seem to have any problems with the questions being asked of them they don't get defensive they can have the worst loss of their career and you know rafa will come out and say some funny things and uh and 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 be that that will be the end of it and then <laughs> you'll see him back on the court after that i marvel at people like that and uh, i think that sometimes it's very easy to forget that there are there are other kinds of people as well who do not handle these things I well agree. who who lived a solitary life and so what do you do for people like that and i don't think we have ever thought of it. no yeah so listen uh that that point on nadal and federer i didn't think of it it's so true like listen uh freakishly fit not just on the court but off it too to do what they do all the time 
to you know smile in the middle of the night when they're trying to leave a practice session or a stadium uh, and then they know that you know that the, the cycle begins all over again they'll drop their bags down smile quickly into a selfie and then get right back into you know whatever mood they were in that's like you said not everyone can be like that right and i think now we can respect them a little more off the court as well but basically the the i think this is the problem that most people had the ones who were against what osaka did uh was you know she's setting a bad precedent which is like i mean you you can't say that you're not answerable to you know the media boss like they are the conscience keepers now so this social media has basically played like a really 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 big role uh in how uh you know players interact with their fans directly uh has been happening i mean it's very easy for you know an osaka or you know closer home in cricket for an ashwin uh to kind of have their own vehicles to interact with the fans directly it's great like you know they they basically they've taken the the in between party which happens to be us the media out right all that is fabulous i mean they've basically taken their own pr into their hands but but this is where it gets a bit tricky right when they need a credible mouthpiece for either you know uh, like a social cause that they, 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 they that they want uh, you know a third party to talk about to say that hey guess what man these guys are actually charitable they you know they they're, they're serving food during uh, coronavirus or you know like uh, something that can't really be tampered with on their own uh, sites right like for example Naomi Osaka benefited very heavily from the press in America taking up uh, the fact that like you know she was going out onto public p- platforms and talking about black lives matter i'm not talking about what she did by wearing those masks at uh, the US Open last year the one that she won where she wore the seven different masks not that where she actually went out onto public squares and then spoke about George Floyd and stuff like that right the media very happily helped her out like spread the word now she's shunning the same media right like so i mean like where come on like it media's not just like the press is not something that you basically use when it's convenient for you and then dispose of later on no i mean or or let's talk about comebacks right when you're making a comeback right like and you want to say that you've done all these cool things putting it out on your social media is not going to help too much uh, you basically need like you know a big newspaper or a television station to kind of like you know put the news out for you to make it more credible to make it more believable so i just want to know where you stand on that uh, and uh, of course uh, on uh, any other uh, you know points that you have in the conclusion of this show uh, no I, i again i agree with you over here and um, one of the things is that of course um, and we've we've lived through this is that uh, is with the coming of social media um, and you know with with uh, athletes and sports people getting a direct kind of a way of communicating with uh, with whoever they want to communicate with um Uh, what has happened is that they they expect the press to become they actually expect the press to become a pr mouthpiece for them now right they don't have any they don't really have any use Absolutely. for the use quote unquote use because i don't think that there should be any use um that's not the that's not the point uh, of of journalism uh, but from from uh, from a lot of uh, athletes perspective um they just want 
journalists to also toe the same PR line that they want to throw. So, you know, and we, we live through this on a daily basis that uh, when when an interview is being set up, the PR will tell you that these are the questions you can ask and these are not these are things you cannot approach and that's the condition for the interview being set up and this and that and all kinds of stuff. Um, we, we've gone through on. this a few times, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and that, uh, you know, so, that, and, and it's very difficult then and we have to negotiate about, okay, so this is not a PR job. It's not like, you know, you, you go and advertise yourself if that's what you want. You know, we are doing journalism and we are not going to be bound by your rules and all that stuff that is, happens continuously. And um, this is one of the good things about press conferences. Even though press conferences are, uh, again, I, I, you and I both know this from personal experiences, not our favorite platform for <laughs> interacting with anybody, right? Because it's it's so public. We would rather interview the uh, athlete sure. in private. And um, also it's mediated but, now, right? There's a person standing yeah. on the podium saying, you know, I, I don't like that yes. question that you've thrown to uh, this man. Right. So can, can, can we move on to the next one, right? Right. And in some things more than others, uh, in tennis, again, I, I find it less, it's more refreshing and less mediated. Yeah. Um, in cricket, for example, especially in Indian cricket, where the media manager is is very quick to pounce on anything that seems like remotely critical of Indian cr- cricket. Um, and immediately, you know, you'll have Virat Kohli being, you know, jump, pouncing on you uh, for questioning yeah. uh, his abilities or his team's abilities or whatever, as if you are not, you're there only to praise them. So, um, so there's all that stuff that happens. Um, and, and press conferences, like I said, not our favorite uh, platform, but at the same time, they are a very democratic platform. There's a, it's a place where, you know, anybody from any press can come in. It's not about access. It's not about negotiating for, um, an interview. Um, you can just enter and you can ask your question. Um, and in, you know, in, and you can get a response. And sometimes those responses are, um, you know, well thought out and and uh, and and engaging, and sometimes they're not. But whatever it is, you have asked your question on a public forum, um, and that is a very important function uh, of journalism, and that's what press conferences do. So I think they're extremely important, if not, you know. But but again, like I like I opened my opened the podcast with that. Uh, there, there's still there is a need for some dialogue about when there's a very specific problem for a very specific person. I don't think we can end this on a better note because it's come right back to press conferences. We ticked off, uh, you know, quite a few topics there. We went all the way to the democracy of the press and social media and all of it. But right back where Rudra finished off uh, on press conferences, a little too public for a lot of our tastes in the media. But man, you can't do without it. It could be archaic, but uh, till till there's a complete rejig of the system, uh, you know, we just have to live by it because that's the best way for there to be some kind of exchange of ideas. Yeah, that's that's that on this show uh, on Osaka. And like we said right in the beginning, Osaka was just the tip of the iceberg to discuss so much more uh, to do with this extremely gnarly relationship now between the press and uh, great athletes. And I think, uh, yeah, we... We managed to do a little bit of that. Thanks, Rudra. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening in. Thank you, Rudra. Bye. This was an episode of A View from the Stands. Do like and follow us on at HT Smartcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or write to us on podcasts at hindustantimes.com. You can listen to more podcasts by logging on to htsmartcast.com. This was a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HT Smartcast. 
HD Smartcast.